Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and today, reporter Megan Reeves joins me for a conversation about what schools have been doing and are continuing to do to get ready to have secure campuses as students return. We'll be looking at the active shooter drills that they've been having and how those have been affecting teachers and We'll be looking at what the State Commission on Safe Schools is discussing, as well as assorted other factors. Well, Megan, uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's been two weeks, and we're glad to have you back. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Today, we get to talk about all the school security issues, and you've kind of been our point person on that. And I guess schools are now, with just a couple days until classes starting, getting ready, doing their last-minute checks drills and so forth. What have you seen so far? Right. Um, so over the summer, there's just been so many pieces to this this whole thing, especially with the new legislation. You know, there's guards they have to get in schools. There's structural things that they have to address. Um, but a, a huge part of it is the training that teachers have to undergo um, leading, you know, in the days leading up to school. Um, it's really, it's called active shooter training. That's what they're calling it or assailant training. So it's um, really, there's there's outside consultants coming in, security consultants in some districts. There's law enforcement coming in in other districts, um, teaching these teachers, you know, what what they need to do if an active shooter was to come in. I heard that they have actually been doing things like playing the actual 911 calls from Columbine at some of these events. Right. Yeah. A lot of teachers um, I've seen online or, or just people I've kind of heard through the grapevine that many teachers are having... Um, kind of a little emotional trouble going through these things. Um, one teacher in Pinellas County wrote on Facebook that she felt emotionally shredded after her training earlier this week. Um, you know, just talking about uh, just disbelief, really, that these are things, these are conversations that teachers have to have before school starts. Um, you know, that, that that's where we are in our society, that that's something to consider, that that's something that really could happen to them. Um, and, and also kind of part of that conversation, I, I think something that's hard for teachers to accept is is that their students have to go through that too. You know, not only do they have to accept it and be prepared, but next week when school starts or, you know, today in some districts when school starts, they have to be prepared to deliver that information to students, um, you know, and start having these very real conversations so that if that, you know, unfortunately does happen at their school, something, you know, there is a threat at their school that they're prepared. I heard that some of the teachers were actually so emotionally distraught by the things going on that they left in the middle of the trainings and had to be encouraged to come back by their administrators who said, you can't walk out if this really happens. And so you can't walk out now, no matter how emotional it might be. Right. Absolutely. I think it's a sort of a balance. Um, you know, I, I wasn't at any of these trainings, but I've definitely heard those perspectives and those stories. Um, I, I really think it's a balance between, um, you know, you have to you have to live in reality that this this really is something that happens in, in our society today. Um, and you have to be prepared, but you also don't want to you don't want to traumatize people either. So I think, you know, administrators who are teaching, you know, teachers, they have to get these points across, but they're trying to do it in a delicate way. But at the same time, you have to be realistic. Um, and, and I think that's something that teachers will be faced with, too, you know, in, in the first couple of weeks of school. And, you know, these trainings, these active shooter trainings are going to happen in some districts monthly and some districts quarterly. 
Um, so it's, it's going to be pretty often that um, teachers are revisiting these, you know, security materials. It's, it's going to be pretty often that they're getting in front of students, too. I heard that. The, or I keep saying I heard that. I read <laughs> that. I read that the, um, the these active shooter drills have to take place as often as school districts have other drills like fire drills. And I know that fire drills are monthly in many schools. So has anybody talked about how they're going to deal with having monthly drills on active shooters and whether that's just going to be like numbing or or frightening or anything like that or how they're going to make it be not boring? Right. I've talked to some districts just in my reporting um, about maybe combining some of these drills so that it's less, you know, they're, they're losing less class time basically so that, um, you know, they could do one drill that satisfies the fire drill and satisfies the active shooter drill. Um, so, so it's just one time that students are getting out of class. So that, that's one way some districts are handling it. Um, but I, I mean, as far as like the emotional toll that it's going to be taking on students, I just, I'm not sure that there's any way to really get out of that or, 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 or make it less. Um, you know, because like I said, they have to be prepared. I mean, that's the goal of all of this is so that if unfortunately one day it is that student school or that classroom, every student has to be prepared because you have no idea what, you know, what school is going to be next. Or, I mean, I just think that that's a reality that everyone's coming to. um, And, and, you know, that's what the state's requiring. So these school districts really don't have a choice. Um, You know, they can, they can kind of tweak it how they decide to implement these things. But at the end of the day, they have to be doing these trainings. They have to be straightforward with students. You said, we don't know which school it's going to be coming to next. And, and a lot of people would say probably that they don't think it's probably going to happen to any school very often. And and yet we see so many of these things happening. I just read in one of the South Florida newspapers that at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, where they had that shooting, did take place. They're placing 18 security guards and officers at that school. Right. And the, and the commission that is uh, overseeing school safety issues for the state is saying that, you know, one officer isn't enough. You need to have some layers of security. And so you have this push-pull of we want to be safe, but at the same time, how much is this really just a security blanket that can be ripped off very easily? Right. Yeah, and I, I think everyone has a different perspective on that. And I, I, you know, depending on who you are, what your experience is, you know, I'm sure that the parents at um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, I, I'm sure that they're happy about the 18. Um, but, I, I, you know, at the same time, these are extreme costs that school districts are spending and, and therefore extreme costs that are being passed on to taxpayers. So um, I, I think, again, it gets into a perspective thing into who you are, what your situation is, um, you know, and, and what your experience is. But um, but I mean, you're certainly right that, you know, 18 guards, that's a that's a huge undertaking for a school district, um, you know, and, and I know other school districts are doing kind of the same thing. Uh, some think, you know, one guard at every school, that's that satisfies the mandate. That's all we have to do. And, and kind of we're done. Um, but like in Pinellas at high schools, they they this year implemented to where there's two at every at, at every high school. Um, I from talking to, you know, people in that district, it's that high schools seem to have bigger threats, you know, with these things. Um, you have older students, students who are dealing with more, you know, possibly dealing with more emotional, um, you know, trouble or, or, you know, a lot of this sometimes goes back to mental health. So that's kind of another, another portion of it that's costing districts a lot of money. And the Associated Press reported that many school districts are just struggling to find 
people to fill the positions. Some of the districts don't even have their plans in place because they're still negotiating with law enforcement over who's going to provide the services. Citrus County is a perfect example of that where they keep arguing with their sheriff over who's going to pay for what and what their contract is going to look like. Yeah, we, we kind of had that same thing going on in Hernando. Uh, the, the school board just straight up said, we don't have the money to do this alone. And, and we're asking um, county officials if they would kind of meet them halfway, you know, considering that school is out, you know, two months of the, of the summer. And so um, in Hernando specifically, they're hiring SROs, so sworn law enforcement from the local sheriff's office. So, you know, the school school board was you know, going to these um, county commissioners and saying, you know, listen, this is benefiting you too. Children are still citizens. They're just your youngest citizens and, and you still have an obligation to protect them when they're in school. And then on top of that, you know, two months of the summer, these deputies are just going to be patrolling parks, patrolling streets, you know, doing regular deputy work. So there definitely is that argument for, um, for different aid or, you know, different governmental agencies to, to help in this funding uh, because it is such a burden on school districts uh, or school boards, um, especially considering that's only one piece of this puzzle. You know, I mean, they still they still have to address, you know, structural weaknesses at schools and, and consider, you know, metal detectors or um, bulletproof glass or, you know, those are the conversations that are happening and all of that stuff costs money. It's fascinating, the whole issue of getting into and out of schools when we have Florida, these very open campus concepts where sometimes roads run through the middle of a school campus and and yet they want to have one single secure point of entry. I have seen schools struggling to do this. Lee County looks like they've already put all the money in place to have that happen at their schools. That was reported this morning in the Fort Myers newspaper. But others really are not finding the way to do it easily. And they're, they're holding tax referendums in order to just bring in the money to pay for these things. And they have to hope that voters support those things. Right, right. Yeah, it's 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 hard because, you know, some some... In a lot of communities, a lot of the constituents don't have kids in school, or maybe they never had kids in school, or maybe they're retired and they moved to Florida, and, and they're thinking, "Why am I paying for this? This doesn't affect me at all." But, um, you know, there it's it's it has to happen. You know, somebody has to pay for it um, because the state is requiring it. So it's it's a it's a really hard position, I think, that school districts are in right now. Um, you know, trying to satisfy the state, but also, you know, they're accountable to their constituents, to their taxpayers. So it's it's a tough place. And they're bringing in new people to do this too. People who haven't necessarily worked in the schools before, or maybe if they have, not in that capacity. I know that you had looked at one of the issues is how do you create this secure environment without freaking people out? which is what we talked about a right. little earlier, but also how do you hire a person to oversee all this when there's so many moving parts? And I know in Pasco, for instance, they hired a, a retired Marine who had a longstanding you know, combat record and knows a lot about mental health issues as well. And in Hernando, they right. did something completely different. Yeah, um, and it, it's different from Hillsborough too. It is kind of interesting to me because I cover Hernando when they appointed um, the person to kind of oversee security in the district, which that was, of course, a requirement of the state um, after the new legislation, after the the shooting in South Florida, um, was that every district had to have sort of a, a point person who oversaw everything that had to do with security. 
So in Hernando, they appointed a longtime principal. Um, she was currently serving at Brooksville Elementary School as the principal. And um, Hernando, they, they didn't, you know, list the, the job externally. It was only internal. They had two or three applicants, and she was picked. And um, really, her whole experience is being an administrator, and she spent some time as a behavioral specialist in the district. But that was just a stark contrast from, you know, like you said, in Pasco, it was an ex-Marine that they appointed to that position. In Hillsboro, it was um, an assistant chief who retired from Tampa Police Department in 2014 to go work for the district, you know, regarding secu- security and oversee guards in schools. So, um, so yeah, in, in Hernando, it was very different. And I, I met with the superintendent, Superintendent John Stratton, earlier this week and kind of asked him for his explanation just because it kind of struck me as weird. And, and he said... To him, um, Hernando was kind of different than Hillsborough, Pasco, which are both bigger, um, you know, bigger districts and, and they're kind of doing different things with how they, how they're getting guards into schools. In Hernando, there's only 25 schools. Um, every school is using a, a school resource officer from the sheriff's office. So Mr. Stratton's kind of explanation was, you know, law enforcement's kind of already covered. We don't need someone with law enforcement experience. We just need somebody who has administrative experience, who can kind of, um, you know, work with the sheriff's office, work with mental health, um, you know, people in the district, work with principals, and really kind of give them real-life application, practical application is what he called it, um, to really just be a liaison between those parties and make everything work cohesively together. I know that these people are all really still just concerned as they head into the school year that they, they hope that things don't just stop because they have one thing in place. There's a lot of talk about how they continue to focus on security without losing track of why they're really there as well, which is education. And I I spoke with the superintendent in Pasco the other day, and he told me essentially that, that, you know, security is huge, but it's not the only thing on their plate. And everybody needs to keep that in mind, too, when they're setting budgets, when they're discussing all the different priorities that they have. They have teachers who need to get paid more or who want to get paid more. They have a whole right. variety of other things going on. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, like, like I said earlier, I, I just think this whole thing is a balancing act. It's, you know, we have to fulfill these things, but we can't scare students. We have to fulfill these things, but we can't, you know, forget that we have to spend money on these other things to educate students. There's, it's, it's kind of like a back and forth, a push pull, like you called it. Well, Megan, are there other issues that you've run into on this subject or or have we pretty much covered the ground? I think we've pretty much covered the ground. Um, it, it, I, I will say it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, reactions from parents and teachers and students themselves as they are getting these trainings, you know, because it'll be completely new to them. It'll be something that they've never really done before. Of course, they've done drills, you know, for other kinds of threats or, um, you know, other kinds of circumstances, but never something that's straight up called an active shooter drill um, or an assailant drill. So um, I, I know in Pinellas County, students were in on, um, you know, students from Gibbs High School, they, they got to help make the training videos that high school and middle schoolers will see. Um, so I think that that's kind of an interesting, um, uh, interesting take on it. I know I, I haven't heard of other districts doing that. I, you know, there might be, but I know around here, like in Hernando, they're using videos from an outside um, security consulting company from Palm Harbor. So, um, so it, I guess it'll just be interesting to see how it all shakes out and see kind of what the reactions are from students. Well, I know I'll be in school on the first day. I'm sure you will be too to see I will. how things are looking and we'll just keep up to date on what this is going on and how it works in addition to right. everything else that we do. So yes, 
I know that you'll it's be back. It's a balancing back. act for us too, I suppose. Absolutely. So we'll be back again soon. And um, thanks again for taking the time to talk. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That's the end of our conversation. We'd like to know what you think. Are schools doing the right thing when it comes to safety and security? Do they need more armed guards? Fewer? What What do you want to see happening? Go to our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, and join the conversation there. Please also visit our blog for the latest in education breaking news, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. Please also continue to share and review our podcast and let us know what you think about it as well. We always are looking for new ideas and want to hear your feedback. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.